Thank you. Please be seated. I don't deserve to be have a standing ovation. Thank you so much for the privilege. I noticed that uh, Dr. Getch and uh, Dr. R always have a finding hard time to pronounce Filipino names. It's really hard. I mean, I guess I'm one of those that that last name's very easy to pronounce, Abra. I remember when I walked the stage and called my name during graduation, Dr. R pronounced my name exactly what it has to be pronounced. Uh, I remember two or three people that came to the United States. You see, when you, when you become uh, an American citizen, you have the privilege to change your name. So these three people had a really very difficult name. The first guy, was uh, his name was Rogelio Dagdagan. Dagan means more. So he changed his name, became an American citizen. He came out and he said, I have a new name now. What was your name? And he said, Roger Moore. And then there's another guy. His name was Roberto Controlado. Some people in Spanish probably understand what Controlado is. So he came back and he said, I have a new name now. His name is Birth Control. <laughs> there's another guy. His name was Restituto Prito. Bad name. Hard to pronounce. He came back and he has a new citizenship, he has a new name. His name is Tutti Frutti. All right, so that's a lot easier to pronounce, amen? Actually, the name abroad is not native of the Philippines. I was born and raised in the Philippines, but uh, the story behind that is uh, actually abroad's name is uh, notorious in, in England. Uh, I look at the genealogy, we actually came from, abroad came from Denmark. I don't look like Danish though, but. Uh, um, and these are notorious criminals and went to London and uh, uh, did a lot of criminal act and was caught and thrown to you know, the penal, penal colony in Australia. And he escaped and uh, sailed all the way to the Philippines. And that's when Obrata came into place in the Philippines. And anyway, I'm so honored to be here, Dr. Getz. It's a blessing, Dr. Chapel. I would imagine when I was sitting there, what, 23 years ago, that I would be standing here and preach the Word of God. I'm still, I've, I've preached in so many churches, conferences. I was just in the Philippines. We ministered to about 700 pastors over there. Uh, I was in Dubai, uh, preached uh, in Bahrain and, and uh, Qatar, and preached in different uh, missions, conferences, and anniversaries. And I still can't brush up whenever I stand here. That It's a nerve-wracking thing for me, but uh, uh, knowing all those uh, uh, professors, uh, that uh, taught me here at West Coast Baptist College for four years. I think it was four years, six years, or seven years, I can't remember, but four years. And uh, they're the ones listening to me, but uh, that's something nerve-wracking them. Appreciate uh, some of our Bible College students here. We'll be celebrating our 21st, years, our 21st year anniversary. <coughs> Actually, I've been 23 years in the ministry, but we'll be celebrating 23 years of uh, our church this coming Sunday. Hope you pray for us on that. Well, you have your Bibles open to the book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 6, 16, rather. I'd like to ask all of you to stand, reverence the Word of God. We'll be reading just a few verses, of Mark, chapter 1, verse 16. In Mark, chapter 1, verse 16, the Bible says, As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus Christ, saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. In verse 19, And when he had gone a little further, thence he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. Go to Mark chapter 2, verse 13. 
Verse 13, chapter 2, Bible says, And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of the custom, and said unto them, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege I have to stand behind this sacred desk, preach the word of God to this wonderful college students. Thank you for Pastor Chapel, and how he has, and how he has uh, allowed me to be trained under the tut- his tutelage in this church and this college, and all the professors here. Uh, truly honored to be here today and be back after so many years. Uh, I just pray God that you will use me behind the cross. I preach God's word today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Well, our text in Mark chapter 2, verse 16, takes us to four men who had passing moments with Christ. Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. While Christ was walking by the Sea of Galilee, first saw Simon, Peter, and Andrew. Indeed, it was a passing moment. And as Christ went further, he saw John and James, another passing moment. And those passing moments that these four men experienced It was a moment that changed the course of their lives. Moving on to chapter 2, verse 13, we see that Christ was passing when he saw Matthew, a tax collector, busy collecting taxes. Well, tax collectors have been known, uh, had a bad reputation of being corrupt, but met Christ. It was a passing moment, and the life of Matthew, Levi, changed in a different trajectory. We see great characters in the Bible had passing moments that altered the trajectory of their lives. Great men and women used by God had passing moments that changed the course of their lives. Can I remind you, ladies and gentlemen, this morning that you're here, this is your passing moments. You're here to be trained. You're here to determine the goal and uh, the will of God for your life. Think about Ruth, while gleaning in the cornfield, had a passing moment with Boaz, eventually became her husband, became the mother of Obed, who was the father of Jesse. Then Jesse had a son whose name is David, later known as King David, where the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ comes from. It was a passing moment. Think about Saul, who was asked by his father to do some errands looking for the lost donkeys, then met Samuel. It was a passing moment who then became the first king of Israel. Think about David. David was asked to bring back sack lunch for his siblings in the battlefield. And it was a passing moment when he saw Goliath mocking the, the God of Israel. He challenged the king, he challenged Goliath rather, and killed Goliath. Eventually, you know the story, became the king of Israel. It was a passing moment. The woman with the blood issue in Luke chapter 8, she's been having this issue for 12 years. When Christ was passing through, she touched the helm of his garment and was healed. It was again of another passing moment. The two blind men in, Mark, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 30. And behold, two, two men, the Bible says, sitting by the wayside, When they heard that Jesus passed by, a passing moment, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, Lord, thou son of David. It was a passing moment. 
And she got healed. They got healed. Christ passed by and they cried out to God. And they received their sight. The maniac at Gadara. In Mark chapter 5, where Christ went to the other side of the sea into Gadarenes. A passing moment saw a man possessed by the devil. Christ cast the devil out of him and he was cleansed. Then became a soul winner. In the capitalist declaring the miracles and the goodness of God. What about the ten lepers? In Luke chapter 17, Jesus passing through a certain village. When they saw Christ passing by, they cried out unto him. They were healed from leprosy. Sadly, only one came back to thank the Lord. Again, it was a passing moment. Layman from the birth in Acts chapter 3. When Peter and John were passing through, headed to the temple to pray. This layman is there at the, great, at the gate every day asking for alms. Peter, when he saw him fasten his eyes on the lame, said, Silver and gold have I none, but such I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he was healed. It was a passing moment. You see, those passing moments may just be a single moment. Or it could be a longer moment. Which we never thought. But we all had passing moments in our lives that altered the trajectory of our lives for the better. Sadly, sometimes for the worst. 20 years ago, 22 years ago, I was out soul winning. And gave a tract to a man, an Irish Catholic that teaches catechism. Was looking for a church for his Filipina fiancé. Who will be arriving from the Philippines to join him as his wife. It was just a passing moment. Talked to him. Led him to the Lord. Eventually joined the church. Baptized, joined the church. 13 years after when we were building our building. Contributed $350,000 for a building project. It all started with a passing moment. You have the privilege every day of your lives to encounter people. A passing moment in your life. Many years ago, I was door knocking. I knocked on this particular door. And a guy came out. And his dog came out, fierce, aggressive, angry, chihuahua. After I step out of the gate, this dog just bit me. A couple days after, that, that wound got really bad. It was uh, two years, two weeks after that, I have a planned trip to the Middle East. Went to my doctor. My doctor saw it. And my doctor said, that's nasty. <laughs> that's bad. I said, doc, I'll be leaving. I'll be out of town. I'll be out of the country for two weeks. In two weeks, rather. He said, you need to get a shot, a rabies shot. And so I said, okay. So I went to the ER. And the guy said, the doctor at the ER said, you don't need a rabies shot. He said, there's no rabies in, in the U.S., particularly in Los Angeles, in the last 50 years. The only rabies shot that we'll give, you were bitten by a raccoon or, you know, all those wild animals. Well, my doctor said, you have to give me a rabies shot. So he called my doctor and came back and he said, are you really sure you want to get a rabies shot? I said, yeah, that's what my doctor said. So I got a rabies shot. So here comes the nurse. And then she was bringing seven different needles. And I said, which one is mine? She said, those are all yours. Big needle, small needle, medium needle, and 
They, they, they poke that needle, my stomach, my belly, my knees, all over my body. It was a bad passing moment. <laughs> Visiting a doctor's office a few years ago, a lady come up, came up to me, checked my vitals, my, to drew my blood. Her son and daughter came. Eventually, she said, I gave her a tract and, and never had a contact with her after that. But two months after, she called me. She said, Pastor, you remember me? I was, the, I was the doctor's office. I said, yeah, I remember. It was a passing moment. And so she said, can you come to my house? And um, I know a little bit of Christianity, but uh, I, I, I want you to talk to my children, to talk to my, uh, my, my, my husband. I said, so, okay, I'll be there. So we had a Bible study, and uh, uh, months followed. Uh, the two kids, uh, teenagers, went to our Christian, went to our uh, youth rally, got saved. And, and eventually, that passing moment eventually became one of, the, uh, one of her, da her daughters, became my daughter-in-law. It all started with a passing moment. Uh, the brother, Tristan, went to Bible college. Both of them, by the way, went to Bible college, and they are now both working in our church as a staff. It was a passing moment. Another lady came to our church on a regular day, and I happened to be there. She was sent by her landlord, whom I knew. She was going through depression. Led her to the Lord. The same day my son led her daughter to the Lord, hiding in the closet. Her daughter started coming to church. And eventually her daughter got saved. Her daughter became my other daughter-in-law. It was a passing moment. Have you ever had passing moments in your life? A passing moment that altered the trajectory of your lives. I can go on and on with stories both from the Bible and personal testimonies of passing moments. All of these passing moments made an impact, no doubt, in our lives. Many of you here today may have had passing moments. All of us, including myself, and all the staff here, professors, have had passing moments that made them who they are and what they are today. I want to look at three meaningful expectations as we talk about these passing moments. I want you to go back to our text this morning, and let's look at chapter 3, or chapter 2 of the book of Mark. Notice in verse 16, and we all know the story, Lord Jesus Christ was passing, and uh, he saw John, and he saw Simon, Peter, and Andrew. Notice what the Bible says in verse 16. The Bible says, now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, Peter, and and Andrew, his brother. I want you to notice that this passing moment of the Lord Jesus Christ was not a coincidence. It was not something that he happened to be there. I believe, ladies and gentlemen, this passing moment was a rightful encounter. It was a rightful encounter. We have a God who is sovereign. We have a God who knows every one of us. We have a God who is omniscient. He can see what's, what lies ahead of us. He can see your future. He's a God that knows everything. But that passing moment was certainly a rightful encounter. Further on, he went and saw another two guys. Name is John and James. It was another passing moment. He saw Simon and Andrew. Feather, and he, and he saw John and James. 
And further on, he saw Levi, who's Matthew, the tax collector. Another passing moment. And we all know the story of all these five men who became men of God, greatly used by God. It all started with a passing moment. And that passing moment changed the trajectory of the lives. Many years ago, I was a businessman in the Philippines for 16 years. My wife invited me to come to church. I was a Catholic. I was an altar boy when I was in high school. Matter of fact, I learned to drink when I was, in, when I was an altar boy because uh, I was serving all those uh, wine at the backstage. And I, I guess it was already the fourth or the fifth mass. You know, they had four masses or five masses, and I was the altar boy. I, was, I had no replacement. And so um, I was the one pouring and I saw the priest on the fourth mass. He was kind of dragging, and it looks like he's drunk already. I said, whoa. And I'm there standing, watching him in the same mass over and over again. I said, I need to start drinking that one, too. And so I started drinking. Every time I serve him, I drink first. And after that, I had a, an awesome time watching him because we're both drunk. One day, my wife invited me to come to church. And by the way, my wife was a staunch Jehovah's Witnesses. She grew up with Jehovah's Witnesses. Well, I'm thankful that among all of the Jehovah's Witnesses in her family, she's one who is a backslider. And sometimes it's good to be a backslider <laughs> as a Jehovah's Witnesses. She came to Baptist Church. She got saved. Amen? She invited me. Every Friday, as a businessman, you hang out with friends, business partners, you drink, all of that stuff. And so she invited me, sat down there, and listened to the preaching of God's Word. And I thought, I won't be able to know if I'll be saved, because that's what I was trained. No one knows except God, except God when you get to heaven. And I said, oh, okay. But the preacher preached, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have been written unto you. That believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know. Wow, that jumped me from my seat. That I can know for sure that if I die, I'm going to go to heaven. I hope you know that if you die today, you're going to go to heaven. Amen. Just because you're in a Bible college, you assume that you're saved. See, Bible college does not save you. Your church cannot save you. Your, sa your salvation is only through Jesus Christ. What does the Bible says? Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers. What are we partakers for? Partakers of the divine nature. That divine nature is the Holy Spirit of God. And when we get saved, we receive Christ as our Lord and personal Savior. And going further to that verse, divine nature, who is cape. Preaching for 23 years, I thought about that word escape. Why would the Holy Spirit use the word escape here? See, the word escape is used when you're in the middle of something that you have to exert. It takes a lot of things, and probably in a prison cell. You know, how can you escape? It takes somebody to take you out of there, maybe bail you. Some of you probably have been bailed. That's why you're here. Anyway, maybe you were bailed by somebody. And I thought about escape. You know, when you have a divine nature, which is when you get saved, then all those things, it would be a lot easier for you to escape the lust, 
the sin, the besetting sin, and all the struggles that you go through in this world, you are actually given the power and the privilege. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12, For as many as receive him, to them gave he not benefit, not privilege. Yes, we become children of God. We become sons and daughters of God. But the word, the Bible didn't use the word privilege. The Bible didn't use the word benefit. That comes along with it. But the Bible used the word power. Why? Because we're in prison in sin. We're wallowing in the, in the mud of sin. And that's why God said, I've given you. I've given you divine nature. That you can escape through the power of God. Through Jesus Christ who bailed you out from the prison sentence of sin that's happening in your life. What a blessing. That's not only a privilege that God has given you. He has given you the power. The power which takes, which involves miracle. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Amen. Power worketh in us. It was a rightful encounter. All these five men, after they had the passing moment with Christ, changed the trajectory of their life. It was a rightful encounter because there was the right purpose. Listen, my friends, you're here because God has a right purpose for you. You're here to be trained. You're here to be nurtured under the tutelage of this great man who's been in the ministry for, what, 30, 40, 50 years. Is it 50 years? No, less than that. Right? Dr. Getz is not that old. Probably my age. I don't know. I'm 61, so I don't know. My wife says, one day she said, Dad, she's uh, three years older than me. She said, Dad, do I look old? Celebrated her 60th birthday. I said, no, you don't look old. 60? No. I look, at your, I look at your hair, you look like 20. I look at your skin, you look like 25. And then I said, I look at your, I look at your face, you look like 20. That's a total of 60. <laughs> Not old, amen? You're here to be trained, my friends. You're here to build your character. Before you were sent here, your pastor prayed for you. Your youth pastor prayed for you. Many people, maybe some of them had passing moments in your life that encouraged you. Go to Bible college. Surrender your life. Serve the Lord. I saw something different from you. Train. You might be called as a missionary. Or maybe a church planner in Los Angeles. Or maybe a missionary to Afghanistan. Or... Vanuatu, where is that? All the way down to Australia. I don't know, but there are people that you've had passing moments with that brought you here today, here at West Coast Baptist College, prayed for you. And so when you go back, go back to your home church. Amen. Amen. Talk to your pastor. When you had the privilege to go Maybe in one weekend, 
sit in front of Herod from Pastor Chapel doing practical theology or even preaching. He says, when you go back there, don't act as if you know a lot of things already. Someone said the reason why Harvard had a lot of wisdom is because freshmen comes in, bringing lots of them. Seniors graduate, leaving them behind. You know, I thought when I graduated Bible college, I thought I know everything. And I think that's normal because of our ego. Then I realized the longer I serve the ministry, the more I study the Word of God, the more I realize I know nothing. And you go back to your church, talk to your pastor. Thank your pastor. Thank those people. Thank those people that have nurtured you and helped you and encouraged you where you are today. Pick up the broom. Sit in front. Amen. Don't sit there at the back. Sit in front. Say amen when the preacher preaches. Pick up that broom. You know, they say that you'll never be an effective leader until you first become an effective servant. Serve the Lord, man. Don't think of glamour. I'm afraid many Bible college students, when they graduate, they're looking for precision. They're looking for glamour. I was here, I was, uh, I think, in my 40s when I went to Bible college. I was just sitting there. I never thought I would be standing here and preach the Word of God. Never thought about that. As a matter of fact, I prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord, please don't allow me to preach there. Because it's nerve-wracking. Honestly. Dr. Guest listening to me, Dr. R, Dr. Weaver, all of those guys. Man, Pastor Chapel, ooh, ooh. <laughs> You kidding me? <laughs> Pastor, sorry. <laughs> That's nerve-wracking. People, hey, one of the failures, if not the many failures of many people that went to the ministry, trained in Bible college, is when they get home, they think about precision. They think about, oh, I'll be the youth pastor. Oh, what, what position are you going to give me? Hey, just go there. Pastor, what can I do? Just go back and say, um, hey, do we need to clean up the auditorium? When you see the need, what's the next phrase? Take the lead. Take the lead. Take the lead. I, have Bible I see Bible college students when they graduate as if they know everything. As if they know, hey, as if they know better than their pastor. I want you to open your Bibles. Whose signature is in your Bible? Whose signature in your Bible? Uh, praise God for a great man that's preaching the Word of God here. And I'm sure you'll rush in front to have your Bible signed. Amen? Can I ask you something? Is your pastor in that Bible? Is his signature in that Bible? I'm not saying this because I'm insecure as a pastor. No, our ministry is growing. We have a Christian school. We have a great Christian school. We've sent $100,000 for missions every year. Hey, I'm just saying this because I've seen this in so many churches that I preach. Can I tell you something? When you get sick, when you don't have money, when you're struggling here at Bible college, who's praying for you every day? Your pastor. Your pastor, right? 
I know they'll be praying for you. Those great evangelists, praise God for them. Great preachers that stand here, they sign your Bible. You think when you get sick, they'll pray for you. They don't even know you. Who knows you? Your youth pastor crying for you. Your pastor weeping for you. Praying for you. And I'm afraid, ladies and gentlemen, that's the attitude of what we see today. Bible college students, precision. Bible college students, they want glamour in the ministry. I never wanted glamour. I was having a hard time preaching in English. I grew up in the Philippines. I said, no, I, I don't want to. Every time I go, I, I get invited in a, a church with a lot of, you know, no Filipinos. I get, I get goosebumps. <laughs> and praise God, I, 23 years in the ministry, I was just sitting and doing the work, going out soul winning, bitten by a dog, bitten by a snake. No, I'm just kidding, not snake, but bitten by a dog and had an ER so many times and and you know what? I just did the work of God. Never, never imagine that when I first traveled, our people said, Pastor, you are all burnt out. We're building in the middle of a building project. He said, go travel, Pastor. 10, 11 years, I believe, before I started traveling. And that was their mistake. They let me travel, and now I travel three, four times a year. <laughs> never did I imagine that when I go to countries uh, different countries in Southeast Asia. I've had invitations here and invitations there to preach. And I said, who am I? I never wanted a position. I never even wanted to become a pastor. That would be the last thing I would like to do, pastoring. Imagine pastors preparing messages Sunday morning, Sunday night, midweek service, devotion every day. Where am I going to get that? I didn't want to. I'd rather be a businessman. I can fool people through business, but I can't fool people through ministry. I thought I can lead a church because I was, I was in a business for many years. Little did I know that, no way. Ministry is a different ball game. Ministry begins with humility. You know, if you're in the ministry, you've got to humble yourself before the Lord. You know why? There are only two things that you will do. Humble before the Lord. The other one is, if you're not going to humble before the Lord, God is going to humble you. And if God humbles you, you're not going to like it. The first three months of the ministry, I thought, man, I was a businessman. I run four companies in the Philippines. And I said, wow, I can do this. Dr. Getz, I can do this. First month of the ministry, we had a bad accident. My, 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 my two sons, my other son almost got killed in that accident. I was in Bible college. It was my third year, fourth year in Bible college. Second month of the ministry, my mom was the first person that supported the ministry. She was very active, passed on. The third month of the ministry, my wife called me. My son was still you know, recovering, had a lot of surgeries. I mean, she, he had a colostomy bag for three months, still reeling from that accident, two, two sons of mine. 
I said, Lord, what am I going to do? Is this what I get being in the ministry? The third month of the ministry, my wife called me. And she said, Dad, I was diagnosed with cancer. I said, Lord, what's going on? Three months. The first three months of the ministry. That's what happened to me. The only regret when I found that news, when I heard that news, I said, wait. When my wife said he had, she was diagnosed with cancer, I said, wait. Does, is it okay if I could still get an insurance for you? Because if you die, at least I'll have money. <laughs> or raise the insurance. In five years, four of my loved ones passed on. I did my first funeral with my mother. My second funeral with my brother. The third funeral was my father. I still have four siblings left. They don't want to come to my church. They don't want to be the fifth one. A victim of being a Baptist. But all those were passing moments. Not only we see a rightful, and I'm out of time, rightful encounter, we see, next, we see the meaningful experience. We saw a meaningful experience there. Notice what the Bible says, and he arose and followed him. All of them arose and followed him. The key there is they followed the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only way for them to have this meaningful experience is for them to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And for you to have this meaningful experience. And I'm sure many of you here are here today. You know why? Because you followed the counsel of those people who passed on to your life. Had passing moments in your life. Those are the people, maybe your pastor. Or maybe uh, a youth pastor. Or maybe uh, a deacon. Or maybe a parent. A father. A mother. That prayed for you and asked and, 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 and told you that, that, that they saw potential on you. They followed. You followed. And here's your meaningful experience today. And what kind of meaningful experience? You're here to be trained. Andrew, Peter, John, James, and Matthew, on that passing moment with Christ, changed their lives. They heeded the call to be trained under the tutelage of Lord Jesus Christ. For three and a half years, all greatly used by God, indeed a meaningful experience for them. Yes, they have to go through training. They have to go through a hands-on experience. We know Paul was chasing Christians on his way to Damascus, had a passing moment with Christ. And after that passing moment, changed the life, became a great evangelist and a great missionary. We think of the Christmas story. I love Christmas songs. So inspiring. Christmas story when Mary had a passing moment as she was visited by the angel Gabriel, was sent from God. She could have said no. It was a passing moment that she just heeded to that call. Think about Zacchaeus. Another passing moment Climb up in the sycamore tree when he heard about the Lord Jesus Christ passing through. Climbed up and wanted to reach out to Christ. He had a passing moment. And God saved, changed the trajectory of his life. All these passing moments 
are meaningful experiences. Indeed, it was a rightful, it was a rightful encounter that eventually led to ministry or meaningful experience. Listen, we're reminded what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Job also tells us, though thy beginning is small, yet in thy latter end it will greatly increase. It all starts small. You think the pastor chapel, after one year he had this? No. It started small. All preachers and pastors that came here and preached the word of God, they all started small. The key there is they followed the Lord Jesus Christ. The key there, they started with humility. I thought about a young man driving a brand new Ferrari, passing by a farm to see his friend. He pulled in front of a young 10-year-old Johnny who's a brother, the kid brother of that friend's friend. When the driver got off the car on his Ferrari, asked Johnny for his brother. He said, where's your brother, Johnny? Asked the driver. Johnny, staring at the beautiful car, said he left to buy something. Then he asked the owner of the car, whose car is this? The driver said, mine. Wow. Where'd you get it? He said, my brother, who's rich, gave it to me. You have a rich brother, the kid said. Yeah, well, he must be generous. You bet. Your brother and I were planning to have a joy ride around the city. That's why I came by. Pick him up. Well, he's not here, the kid said. Why don't you take me a joy ride? Maybe by the time we come back, my brother's already here. Hop in, the owner said. Okay, they drove around. Johnny, little Johnny was silent, staring all those gadgets inside the Ferrari. Pulled in after the joyride. Driver said, how'd you like my car? He said, wow, this is beautiful. Then he asked Johnny the question. I bet when you grow up, you want to have, have something like this. Johnny paused. He said, no, I don't want to have something like this. Driver said, what do you want? I want to be like your brother. I want to be like your brother, the one that gave this Ferrari. And some of us, we want this thing. We want that thing. We want a big ministry. We want a position. We want all of these trappings, glamour. Now listen, no. Your first goal and prayer is to be like Christ. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man, being found fa fashioned as a man. He humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even death at cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and hath given him a name, a name which is above all names. And in the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall, every knee, every knee uh, shall bow, the things of heaven, the things of earth, the things under the earth. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ Amen. is Lord to the glory of God. You know what? Christianity, I always say this, this Christianity is developing the mind of Jesus Christ. Every experience 
we have is different. But one thing they have in common, they obeyed. That experience is a proving experience to prove their faithfulness, to prove their humility, to prove their calling. Ask yourself today, is God calling me? Has God placed me here? Or did God place me here for a purpose? I'm sure there is. You have a rightful call from God. Don't waste that. It begins with prayer. Be humble. Ask counsel from your pastor, from these men that have been training you. And lastly, I'll close with this. The passing moment started off with a rightful encounter. And then a meaningful experience. But lastly, we see here that passing moment was a fruitful end. All these people came used by God in a great and mighty way. All these stories we see in the Bible that these men that I've mentioned, those passing moments of their lives, at the end, he had a fruitful ministry. The passing moment was indeed an encounter that became a meaningful experience. Two of them, Matthew, John, wrote the two Gospels. Peter wrote two books in the New Testament, First and Second Peter. James was a martyr. Paul wrote at least 13 epistles in the New Testament. Became the greatest missionary and evangelist, second to Christ. Mary, the mother of our Savior. Saul, the first king of Israel. David, the greatest king. Ruth wrote the book of Ruth. And many others. I can name lots of them in the Bible. But it all started with that passing moment. A rightful encounter. Then had a meaningful experience. And certainly followed Christ in humility, had a fruitful ending. No doubt these men had a close walk with God. Someone, one, blessed is the man that walketh not the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of the sinner, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law that he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, and shall bear fruit in his season. In his season. And whatsoever he doeth, he shall prosper. You know, I think about that verse. I thought, season. The leaves were now in the fall season. Leaves are falling. Leaves are falling down. But the Bible says, you know, we have four seasons here. Fall, winter, summer, spring. In tropical countries in the Philippines, we also have four seasons. We have dry, very dry, wet, very wet. Four seasons. But the Bible says, think about the picture. His leaves shall never wither. If you delight in the law of the Lord, delight in the word of God, you're not going to fade. The more that you would serve the Lord. You know, staying longer in the ministry 
being faithful and humble. Boy, it's so awesome. These men here enjoy what they're doing. Why? Because they walk with God. They have a close walk with God. And the Bible says, whatsoever you do, whatsoever you do, he will prosper. I'll close with an illustration. An eight-year-old boy walking in the farm with his father. In the field, gazing up to the sky, he saw a plane soaring above high. This eight-year-old kid told his father, Dad, you see that plane? Dad said, yes. He said, Dad, planes are small, huh? He said, no, son, planes are big. No, small, look at that. The father tried to convince the son that planes are big, especially that plane 747 or A380. He said, no, it's big. No, Dad, it's small. One day, the dad said, I'm going to take you to the airport, close to the tarmac. So they went to the tarmac, and, and he, he brought his son, and he said, remember the plane that was soaring above sky in that farm field? He said, yes, Dad. That's the same plane that you see today at A380. Look at that. You're looking at it up close. He said, wow, that is huge, big. And then the boy said, Dad, why is it it's big right now? The dad said, son, you were looking at the plane in the field. You were so far from the plane. You are looking at the plane right now because you are so close to the plane. That's why it's big. And some of us, we look at God from a distance. That's why we think our God is small. We think our God is not capable of doing something great in your life. But all we need to do is get close to God. And when you get close to God, then you will begin to realize how big your God is. How big is your God? Are you walking away far distance from God? Are you walking and looking at God close? Let's pray.